your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6 uh, in, in a two-part series, two-part sermon. I want to actually take a sermon and divide it in half uh, because I want to lay some groundwork today for what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, it's Jesus' birth, uh, but by way of just introduction, I'd love to tell you just a quick story. When my first two sons were born, Joshua and Caleb, they were twins, and um, we were... They had been born a couple of months, and we had a family crisis in our, in our family. So we were in Maryland, and we needed to make our way to Alabama. And so uh, we had a very generous person that said, Drew, uh, I realize it's an emergency. I'll pay for your airfare for you and Kimberly to get home because we needed to get home like very quickly. And so we uh, bought tickets, and we went to the uh, BWI Maryland Airport. And we, uh, let me just kind of give you the picture. So we have a double stroller, uh, we have a diaper bag, we have our suitcase, we have the suitcase for the kids, we have two car seats, right, because you can't, can't drive anywhere without a car seat. So we had to have all of that stuff uh, in order to get from BWI to Columbus, Georgia. And so we had this whole deal. We had the, sh the stroller was laid out. We had the suitcases kind of stacked in there on top of that, turned upside down were the, were the seats. And then we had the diaper bag. And, and uh, we had one of those baby Bajorn, uh, you know, where you put the little pouch thing. So uh, I had one. Kimberly had the other. And so there we are. We're making our way through the airport. We're going through uh, BWI. We get checked in. We get our luggage checked. So the seats were gone. The stroller was gone. The suitcase cases were gone uh, so we were down in the oh we had a pack and play you guys ever heard of a pack and play holy cow the pack and play was like this big around it was it was like this huge cube that had to go right it had to go it had to go so we're we're negotiating all of this equipment in through the airport we get we get all that stuff checked in and uh, we kind of sit down now weather was also coming snowstorm was coming but it's okay, we're going to beat it, no problem. We just, we got to get there quick, no problem. We get our tickets, we get into the, the place, we're sitting there at the gate, delay. Oh no, we had our first delay of many, let me just tell you. We had a delay, so okay, no problem. They changed the gate, okay, so we make our way to the next gate, delay, 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 delay. This stretched out all day, like just as soon as they thought they would get the, the plane de-iced and all of that no we're gonna cancel the flight cancel the flight cancel the flight this went on all day at two o'clock in the morning Kimberly have had these little little pouches on us all day now imagine the feeding and the changing and all that goes along with that we've done that all day it's at two o'clock in the morning the crowd was crazy, right? Because all of these cancel flight, all of these people trying to get everywhere, everybody's grouchy and angry and they're yelling and there's this vibe like in the whole place. It was just nasty, right? And so we're like, we got it, we got it. You know, what are we going to do? So we finally make our way to the booth, right? So you have these long lines. You're trying to figure out how we're going to get to where to where. Everything's canceled. We finally get to the booth. This lady at the at the station there she she kind of looks like she's obviously very ticked off right because she's gotten yelled at five thousand times and she just looks up sees us and like her heart melts of course we're playing we're playing that vibe right we're like doing the 
So he's like, all right, look, here's what I could do. Nothing's going out till tomorrow. I mean, we're, we're, I mean it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, we're, we're done. Like, nothing's going out tomorrow. I can reschedule you. First flight out to Columbus. Uh, so we had made it from BWI to Atlanta. Basically, we're stuck in Atlanta. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So we, we're stuck in Atlanta. So the, the flight out is uh, you can get out of here probably 6 in the morning is the earliest I could do. Um, you know, so I'll give you that flight. Oh, and here's a voucher for a hotel. And here's so Starbucks gift certificate. We're like, thanks. We'll, we'll take that. And, uh, and so, we, so we make our way uh, to the hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning. Our flight's at 6. I'm like, yay. Put the babies down. Kimberly and I crash, right? Then we get back up at 5, whatever, 5 o'clock. Like, we had like two hours of sleep. It was crazy. But we were to at least take a shower, right? Take a shower, kind of get refreshed. Put on the same clothes because everything's checked. Uh, we uh, got the babies packed up. We got the diaper bag. We kind of took, you know, kind of brush your teeth the best you can and, and uh, took a shower. We made our way. I said, we'll just grab a muffin. We'll grab a muffin on the way out. Uh, we'll get on the shuttle. We'll go back to the, to the airport. We'll head out. No problem. The only problem with that is if you've ever traveled and they've canceled 5,000 other people's, guess who met, was met us in the foyer? In the foyer there at the hotel was every other guest that had a, also had a canceled flight, and they had eaten all the muffins at that point, and everything, like it was packed, like that room was packed. And we looked at each other like, if they started shuttling people now, it'll be hours before they get all these people to the, to the, uh, back to the airport. And we're like, what are we going to do? And so we just kind of stand there, and again, we were just standing there trying to figure out what to do, and there was a girl behind the counter. The girl looks up at us, gives us that, and we, of course, we're like, you know, oh no, what are we going to do? You know, so she's like, look, I'm about to get off. Meet me around on the side. I'll pick you up in my car, and I'll just drive you all to the airport. Fantastic, right? That's wonderful. So we kind of we just shuffled our way past the people. You know, we made our, our way out kind of to the side, and we stood there, and this young lady drives up in her car, uh, and we hurriedly jump in, and we take off to the airport. We make it to the airport. We, again you know, get onto the, to the line, we get into it, we make it. We make the flight, we make it to Columbus. That's probably the most horrible travel experience that I think I have had. I'm pretty sure I can speak for Kimberly. Like, just to try to make that journey, uh, it, was ho- it was horrible. And today, we're going to look at uh, another journey that a couple took. Uh, and it was probably way harder than the one that we had to take. You know, Mary and Joseph... Mary, great with child, makes the journey uh, to, um, to the, that we're going to talk about today. But here's, here's what I want you to think about is, is that God, even though we are greatly inconvenienced, right? Even though there's going to be these times when life is just insane, it's just absolutely insane. We just have to throw our hands up and go, God, this is insane. Like, this is just crazy. How are we going to do it? God works in those moments, Right, that lady that was standing behind the counter, she looks up at us, she goes, that's God working there. Because he knew we had to get from one point to another. When, when that young lady looked up and she had been like working all night and had to deal with all those people in the foyer, she looks up and she's like, come on, come with me. 
Like that's God working to get us where we needed to be. God's working behind the scenes. He's, he's working to help us along on our journey. So this morning, that's, what, that's kind of the big idea that we're going to look at. Is uh, Before we jump into it, I'd love for us just to pray. So let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we are a weary people living in a weary world. Lord, we are tired. The people that are coming here, they, they may have even been going through a day or a week that just kind of feels like the story I just described. We need to experience your encouragement, your joy, your refreshment. And so, Lord, we pray that you turn our mourning into praise, our weariness into strength, our sadness into rejoicing. And we pray that you will help us to experience the Christmas story anew this Christmas season. So, Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to look at two great rejoices this morning. We're going to rejoice that, that God is the, is the Lord of interruptions, because our travels are all interrupted, and your life is going to be interrupted. You, go, you have a plan that you would like to do. This is going to happen, and then I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then, then, I'm, and then all of that just gets all interrupted. And that's okay. Because we rejoice because he's the Lord of interruptions. Look at verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Very specific time in space. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. All right, so by giving the specific of the names of the emperor and the names, he's showing that God has a plan for mankind, and it's not just related to the Jewish people. Right, so the story of the, of the Bible is not just for Jewish people. What we see is that it's actually for the world. It's for everyone. And he's giving us these names. These men, these Roman emperors and these people, the historical people that are mentioned, are all a part of the plan. They're all a part of what God is doing. God is not just a people of the Old Testament. He's sovereign and works through all of history to lay out his plan. All of history. The Bible and the, and the Old Testament, it talks about the Hebrew people and all of that. That's, not, that's just part of God's plan. All of God's plan is the, the Romans and the Greeks and the Hittites and the, all of these other people all play a role in the history of the world. So without going into too much Roman history, God worked behind the scenes to bring to power a man who would usher in this long season of peace, which we'll look at in just a moment. But it was during this time of peace that Jesus was born. And it says in verse 1 that a decree went out. A decree was an imperial edict. We see this again in Acts chapter 17. You can look at that on your own. But the decree was for tax purposes. Yay! It's for tax purposes, right? So uh, he's using, God uses taxes. But the registration required a person to appear in one's principal place of residence. For the Jewish people, it was their ancestral homeland. So even though they lived in one place, if their ancestral homeland was somewhere else, that's where they had to go and be registered. And so since uh, Joseph and Mary were of David's lineage, their ancestral home was Bethlehem. That's where they had to go. And so they were, that's where they went. So it says, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So they made this journey. It was an 85 to 90 mile trip. 
God, that just blows my mind. 90 miles. They didn't have public transit. They didn't have all these things. They didn't have airplanes and all that. They had to get on a donkey or walk. That was how they would have gotten there. 90 miles with a pregnant woman who was great with child. Like she wasn't like just pregnant. She was great with child. And they're making their way over this 95-mile journey. So, sometimes God uses the bad things to allow some of the most wonderful events to ever happen. You say, why would, that just seems like a horrible thing for a woman to have to go through that. It would have been very difficult. But God uses that very difficult thing to bring, probably, I would say, the most important historical thing that has ever happened in the world. God uses taxes to bring about Jesus' birth. Look at Micah, Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Bethlehem was promised to be the place of the Messiah, the place to be the, the ruling, uh, the one that would be from ancient of days, from of old. And so God used the interruption of an imperial decree in the lives of Mary and Joseph to bring about the fulfillment of Scripture. So we would say, Lord, why am I having to go through this? Why do I have to endure this thing that's happening in my life right now? We see that God is the Lord of interruptions. And it could be that he's using this very hard, difficult, frustrating thing in your life right now to bring something else about. And we don't know. We don't, Mary and Joseph didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They didn't know that the, they knew Jesus was the Savior of the world. They knew these things. But exactly what they didn't have, they didn't comprehend the fullness of what was going on. Neither do we. So he uses these interruptions. And the Messiah or the Deliverer was promised to be born in Bethlehem. And so he had to get them to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And John 6, 35 calls Jesus the bread of life. He was about to be born there. And I am sure that Mary and Joseph were bothered and frustrated about these things. Having to travel as she did. And then the challenge of the journey itself. And the constant reminder that Mary could deliver at any moment. That's Y'all, that is insane to have to go through that. I, I know that when Kimberly was pregnant, is that the moment of like she could deliver any second, but then to be way away from home and to be in, the weird, in, in these very difficult circumstances. But we see that we can rejoice that God is the Lord of interruptions. The next thing that we're going to see, the second thing that we can rejoice about is that God is, is the Lord of time. And, I, and I'm, I wonder what I'd like to do is to lay a foundation for what's to come next week. But it's like, why is Jesus' birth and all the things that are going on, why is, what's the big deal, right? I mean, what, I mean, really. I mean, he was born in a manger, so what? Like, that's just awful. There's so much bigger than that. There's so many other things that had to happen in order for that to happen. That's what I like to lay out today. So we're going to see that rejoice because he is the Lord of time. Look at verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So when Kimberly and I first discovered that we were pregnant, she was pregnant. I don't know how you say that politically. All right, so she was pregnant. All right, and so uh, we were going to, we, and then we discovered it was going to be twins. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. Um, 
as you do with young couples, first-time couples, by the time we had Isaac, sorry, we didn't do what I'm about to say. We went and did the uh, parenting classes, right? And so uh, I'm about the last guy who's going to go to a parenting class. But Kimberly says, we're going to a parenting class. So I went to a parenting class, right? And then part of parenting is the, uh, um, the birth class, right? All right, here, here's what's going to happen. And then when, you, when she starts doing this, she's gonna, you're going to breathe this way. And you had to learn the, the breathing, <laughs> right? And then, and then you're going to keep time, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna write these things. That, I didn't do all that. I didn't do all that. I was just there because Kimberly said, we're going. I said, okay. And so uh, we, went, we went through all of that. We took the classes. We, do, we did all of that. And so we were prepared. We were ready. And then she and I were sitting on the couch. We were watching television. A friend had come by. Her name's Whitney. Whitney had come by. They were talking about whatever ladies talk about. I was watching TV. And she stood up and she said, Drew, it's time. My water just broke. I'm like, what? I mean, I knew what water breaking meant. I knew what that meant, but I didn't know, like, what? Now, here's what they tell you in the classes, which I was not paying attention, I'll be honest. They say, pack a bag. Pack a bag, right? If you pack a bag, you have it ready to go, you've got a change of clothes, you've got the pajamas, you've got the, the toothbrush, you've got all of that in there. Well, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> I did not. I was not ready. She stood up and she said, it's time. My water just broke. I just, I, I was just like, what, 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 what now? What, like, I was like, I knew I should have paid attention to that class. Like, what, 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 what do I do now? So Whitney says, well, Drew, you go to the hospital. I'm like, oh, yeah, we go to the hospital. So then I'm like, so I went and grabbed a bag, and I'm like throwing junk in the bag, you know, because we got like, you know, throw stuff in the bag, threw it in the car, put Kimberly into the car, went off to the hospital, we went. I was not ready. Uh, it, was, it was here. And so what we see with Mary and Joseph is they've made this 90-mile trip. They've been riding on donkeys. She's been walking. They've been, you know, stopping and resting along the way, I'm sure. But finally the time came, and they're, they're scrounging to find a place to, to, to bed down for the night. They get, there's nowhere to stay, right? They're, they're, they're finally, and then she looks at him, and all of that chaos and all of that craziness, imagine, imagine all these other people, like those people in the foyer uh, at that hotel, they're also trying to find a place. You've got all these other people that are trying to find a place to stay that night. Everything's booked up. Everything's crazy. She looks at him in all of that chaos, and she goes, Joseph, my water just broke. It's time. It's time. So we see that Lord is, the God is the Lord of time. I cannot imagine when she looked at him and said, it's time. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a hopeless and desperate situation where you ask yourself, now what? Joseph would have said, now what? Lord, I, I don't know what to do here. Right? And I think we oftentimes find ourselves in these situations where we just say, I don't, now what? Maybe a time of a loss of a loved one, could it be the loss of a job, could it be a sudden illness, could be a mortgage payment that you know is coming, that you don't know how you're going to pay it. Could be that your kid's making bad decisions. Could be a whole host of things of which you are completely powerless and you don't know what to do. You are like, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. 
we see, we see only this immediate moment, this, this immediate situation, right? This, our, our world is all about kind of what we're going through right now in this moment. But God is the Lord of time. He sees all of time, from the very beginning to the very end. He sees how your life is going to be stretched out. He sees all of the minute details. He sees everything. As the Lord of time, he sees all of eternity, and he knows how it's going to turn out. And what we see from Scripture is that he loves you. He loves me with an eternal love. It's beyond anything that we could comprehend. And in the end, he gets the glory, and we get to grow in the process. He gets all of the glory. So, why would God allow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the great, the, the promised one, the Messiah, to be born then? Right? He could have been born anywhere, anytime. Why then? Why there? Why not wait until they're closer to a palace? Why not a nicer home? Why wait and put him right in the middle of all of that chaos? Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Somehow, this leads to us being adopted as children, as sons, right? We, somehow, we, this, this moment somehow leads to our salvation, There are several reasons why Mary delivering when she should and where she did, all of these things are so important. I want to give you five reasons this morning to just set the stage for Jesus' birth. Next week we're going to jump into him being born in the manger and those things. But this week I want to just lay a foundation. There's five things. Five things I want you to remember as to why was he born here, this time, this place. Why those things? Number one is the language, the language. Alexander the Great had conquered what he thought was the known world. Right? So Alexander the Great, when he was all over, when he had con conquered all of the lands, he sat down and he wept. And he goes, oh, there's no more lands to conquer, right? This man conquered the entire world. He made one giant empire. And whenever he would go into these areas and take them over, he would take with him the Greek language. And he would take with him these Greek ideas of law and things that he would take with him, which we call later Hellenism, right? So he's, but he's taking with him th these, these things with him. And so the people of the world were given a common tongue. They, were, they, were, they would all speak the same language. So they would have their, their uh, area language they would speak in their ear, but they would also speak this Koine Greek, this Greek language that he would take with him. So that when it was time for the missionaries to go and share the gospel, they didn't have to learn the language. Most of the known world already spoke all the same language, the Koine Greek. That's why the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, right? So they were able to go forth and share the gospel in, their, in, a, in a tongue, in a trade tongue, that would say all regularly understood. God put that in place on purpose, right? So that the gospel could sweep through the known world. So, you have the language. So, God united a large part of the world with this common method of communication, this trade language. And by the time of Jesus, the Greek language was on the lips of all of the known world. You could go anywhere within that area, speak this one language, and be able to communicate. That's incredible. Think about what had to happen in order for that to happen. That's incredible. 
Now I want to show you something on my phone. It's an app. All right. This is Google Translate. All right. I've got it set to uh, English to Japanese. I'm just going to write Jesus is Lord. If I could type, that would work. All right. Can you hear that? I silenced my phone because, because I'm going on the stage. Jesus is Lord. Can you hear that? All right, here's the Japanese. I could get on my phone and speak Japanese or any of another hundred languages. Just scroll down, right? Any language. Imagine if I could go into any city in the world, get out my phone and say, Jesus is Lord, and it says it right there. Jesus fulfilled scripture. We are all sinners in need of a savior. Google Translate is like Koine Greek. Right? You could go into any town in any place in ancient history and speak the language and everyone would understand. We have, I mean, God is, God is doing a great thing in our time. We have the ability to translate multiple languages and multiple cultures right here at our fingertips. It's incredible. Also, during this time, number two, we have the Pax Ramona. Right? This is the, the Roman peace. In the history, in world history, up to the birth of Jesus, there have been many different types of empires, right? You had the Egyptians already, by the point of Christ, had over 30 different empires. Now, when we say empire, I'm talking about mostly worldwide empires by the time of Christ. So you had the Babylonians had a huge chunk of the world at least twice. The Assyrians had a major empire. The Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans, all of these had these massive mega, uh, mega kingdoms that that encompassed most of the world, the known world. And archaeologists even today are coming up with new empires that have been discovered, like the Hittites and others that haven't even been discovered yet. And so the king of kings would rule over all of these little kingdoms. And so that by the time you get to Rome, as the king of kings, they called him a Caesar. That's what they called the king of kings was the Caesar Right? He would oversee all of these kingdoms, and they would pay tribute, and they would do all these things. But you had one guy over all of these massive kingdoms. He helped to bring about this, uh, uh, Caesar Augustus was the first and greatest of them, and he helped to bring about this Pax Ramona, which means peace. There was peace in all the land. There was a common law that, was, that stretched out over all of most of the known world at this time. We just finished the book of Philippians. Right? And the big idea of Philippians is that we're partners in the gospel, of sharing the gospel. And that you can't, the gospel can't go forth and the church can't function if the church is in chaos and fighting. Right? So Paul wrote this book of Philippians and he's talking about how you need to be united and how you need to work together. The same is true on a global scale. If, if the gospel was to go out to the most cities as possible... There would have to be peace. They couldn't be embroiled in war and chaos. And so what we see at this moment in time is that the world was at peace. And so that when you would go to this town or you go to this town and you'd share the gospel, there was peace there. And you could share the gospel and people would, be, would, would listen to what you have to say as opposed to fighting and where's your next meal going to come from. 
also you had the land. So you think about Rome and the architectural advancements that they have, like the arch and the aqueducts and things like that. But they also established the roads. So, and you can go there today and see the Roman roads. They're still there. You go out to 70 West, you've got to repave that about every, what, 10 years, right? But those Roman roads are still there. They linked all of these cities and kingdoms together. So that, again, if I want to take the gospel and go out, I'm going to go out and get on that Roman road, and I'm going to make my way out to the next town where I'm able to share the gospel. And when I share the gospel with them, they're going to understand what I'm saying because we speak the same language. And then when I get there, we're going to be at peace. We're not going to be fighting. We're going to be able to sit down and have a conversation. God is doing all of these things all at the same time, in the fullness of time, at just the right moment. And then also we have number four, the temple. The temple is a part of, of uh, the Hebrew people, a part of the religious culture that was very, very important to them. However, because God's people hadn't followed God like they were supposed to, they were apostate, they had gone off, they've gotten away, they've been carried off into exile, there was a series of temples that had been built over the years of the Old Testament. You have one temple was built and it was destroyed. And then you have another temple that was built and when the older people saw it, they wept because it was so insignificant compared to the previous temple. And then time went by and then you have Herod the Great that comes and then he rebuilds this massive, huge, massive temple that was grand and there was a world, I mean, the world would come to see the temple that was there in Jerusalem. And so that by the time Jesus comes, you have this massive temple that has been built and established by Herod. And what were they doing at the temple? They were sacrificing animals. And it says that the blood was so, ran so freely that it was actually piped out into the local river. Why is that important? Because God's people had to understand the significance of blood being shed through animals through, through for the forgiveness or covering of sin. That's a basic foundational thing that runs throughout the Old Testament. That's why they have these sacrificial things where they would slaughter animals. Because there's this link between blood and death and atonement and all of that that God's people needed to understand. And so that by the time Jesus comes, you have this establishment of this great temple. Remember, Jesus goes into the temple and he clears it out with the whip and those type of things. That had to be functioning. And it was. It's, it's incredible. So, the, the necessity for atonement by death and blood was very real for the people. And everyone knew that the shedding of blood was necessary for spiritual cleansing. They needed to understand that. And the time was right for the Messiah's blood to be shed. He would come and he would say, I'm here from, to, to shed my blood. And they would have the Last Supper where he said, this is my blood. Right? You have these very graphic pictures. Fifthly, last one, is God's love. At the fullness of time, God sent, God sent his son into the world under the conditions described above that we could see the hand of God working in the detail of time and history. But the entire purpose of God was not to amaze us with his providential power and his moving things around. We, that's not the point. His principal purpose was to demonstrate his love for us in Christ. And so God sent forth his son into the world. In John 3.16, if you remember, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
He sent his son into the world at this moment in time, and he moved heaven and earth, space, entire empires, so that we could be saved. This is, this is what I want you to remember today. I felt like it was, an, it was important to take a week and just, just get this idea, okay? Is that God loves you so much that he established an entire, not just one kingdom, but a world history of kingdoms. He established language. He established uh, a temple. He, he did all of these things to, so that when Christ comes, the gospel could go out and that we could come to know and understand who Jesus is. God moved heaven and earth so that we could have the gospel, and we have it. That's the wonder, one of the wonders to me of Christmas, is how God moves and does all of these things so that when it's time for us to be saved, he presents these things. So, we are now set free from the power and penalty of sin, and we're free to live for him because of what happens at Christmas. Do you know him today? Have you given your heart and your life to the God who's moved heaven and earth so that you could have and understand the gospel? Here's the gospel really quick, all right? We see in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We have a problem is that we are a sinful people. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all everybody is a sinner. Because of that sin, we're separated from God. There's nothing that we could do to make to bridge that gap between us and God. Our sin separates us. All of us are separated from God. He could just leave us like that, right? He could just say, hey, look, I created the world. I made it perfect. You guys are the ones that came in, and you sinned, and you rebelled, and you turned against me, and you do your own thing. You've chosen to, to go your own way, and he could have just left it at that. Could have just burned it to the ground. But he says, no, I love the earth. I love these people. I love the creation. And so he created the only way for us to be forgiven of our sin is for Jesus to come into the world. And so when Jesus came into the world, he lived a sinless, perfect life. So he's born here. He's going to live a sinless life, and he'll be crucified at Easter. And then he'll be resurrected again. But that's why all of these things happen, is so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And it's a decision that each of us all make. We have to put our faith in what Jesus done, what his plan is. So let me just join me in prayer. So if you're here today and you're like, Drew, I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I have been separated from God. I realize that I need to be forgiven of my sin. I'd like to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't fully understand everything that you said. That's okay, too, but God also just works in our hearts where he draws us to him. And if you feel that God just is drawing you and wants to have a relationship with you, you could say a prayer something like this. Just to yourself, you don't even have to say it out loud. Dear Jesus, I admit to you right now that I am a sinner. I believe that you came to die for me on that cross. I put my faith in you as the way to be forgiven of my sin. I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. I'm going to turn from my sin. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace is going to lead us. Please stand. Grace is going to lead us in a song of invitation. If you'd like to come and just pray with me about anything, you can do that. You could just come and pray at the, at the front if you'd like to.
just want to give you an opportunity to respond.